I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This program was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. Phone-in elements of these shows are not available, but if you'd like to comment or give us feedback on our shows, you can tweet us at Love Sport Radio. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Alternatively, you can find this and other podcasts on iTunes or Spotify using the keyword LoveSport. What a song on What A Week for Leeds United. 100 up for the boys from Ellen Road. 1919, they were founded. It is now 2019. That equates to 100 years. This is the Leeds United fan show on Love Sport. Myself, Matt Beadle, here with John McKenzie from All Stats, aren't we? Hi, John. Hi, Matt. How are you? Good, thank you, mate. But I imagine not as chipper as you. It's been quite the week in the history of Leeds United. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a, an interesting one, hasn't it? I think I don't know. I'm I'm more of a fan of the hundred years than the week we've had, but mm. I am feeling chipper all the same. We are going to get onto that because plenty to be discussed about the celebrations around this week. Some cracking scenes in Millennium Square, of course, and plenty going on in and around the worlds of Leeds United, which we're going to get onto. But first, start of the week, mate. We've got to start where yeah. we always start. Yeah, so we've we've just put a piece up on on our um, medium page uh, about Leeds' defensive uh, production so far this season. So Leeds have conceded the fewest goals in the championship so far with seven against, have the most clean sheets with five. Seven goals against translates to 0.59 goals conceded per 90 so far. So if Leeds were to continue conceding goals at such a miserly rate, they would end the season with 27 goals against. Now, to put that in context, uh, the 54 goals that Leeds conceded last season was only bettered by promoted Sheffield United and Poulis is obviously Middlesbrough. Of course. Uh, with 41 against. Um, Cardiff and Wolves went up with 39. Um, last uh, The season before that, Middlesbrough were the runners-up uh, under Karanka in 15-16 with 31 goals. So all of that is to say, if Leeds carry on at such a rate, they are looking at a record-breaking season. 27 goals against. If they continue the rate, so it's 0.59 goals conceded per game. That's right. That is... An unbelievable ratio. Yeah, and you know we've, we talk we we talk about control a lot. Um, control is is about scoring goals. Obviously, if you have the ball, you're more likely to score. But obviously, if you have the ball, the opposition are less likely to score as well. So we've seen that that Leeds have have actually been quite um, impressive in both areas. Really, the, the the amount of production that they have per xG. We talk about xG a lot. Um, is is good. We're not finishing particularly well, but. At the other end of the field, it's as, as we say, it's perfect scenario, really. Absolutely. Well, often in an international break weekend and week leading up to the next game, you don't tend to have a whole load to talk about it. There is the excitement of domestic football coming back. However, on this occasion, it is the 100-year anniversary. This week has been mental in the world of Leeds United. Like I said, those scenes in Millennium Square, there's a new centenary shirt. We're going to get onto that. We've got Andrew Dalton, who's written a book to coincide with that centenary shirt. He's going to be on the show. Ellen Road, the extension to 50,000. Apparently that has been announced. There's some street art. Eddie Gray's gold, our good friend, Burley Banksy. Mm -hmm. He's been doing some street art again. 
uh, all sorts. Tony Yaboa is back in the house and Twitter clips. Now, we're going to talk about Twitter clips in this show and introduce them throughout the show because I've been paying heavy attention to all the feed throughout the week on Leeds 100 Years. And we've got a few Twitter clips from ex-players who said some wonderful things about the club. The first being Chris Kamara. 100 years of Leeds United. My favourite memories of Leeds United. One, of course, signing for Howard Wilkinson. Two, that same day, Vinnie Jones coming round to the hotel and us going out for a beer. Sorry, Gaffer, I didn't tell you that one. Um, scoring a goal against West Bromwich Albion. Leeds United fans all talk to me about that cross for Lee Chapman's winner at Bournemouth. But I have to say, the through ball for Gary Speed, God rest his soul, what a legend. Against Sheffield United that day, Leeds United fans talk to me more about that than anything else. Have a fabulous time. Brilliant. Brilliant from Cammy, And aside from what he said there about those memories and the wonderful game against Sheffield United, of course, the 4 3 that brought that, that, that title in 1992, is the fact that this is what we love as fans. When you hear players, especially ex-players, speak about your club so fondly and it makes you think, crikey, they, they love it and they remember it as well as we do. Mm, yeah, it's one of the things that struck me actually this this week has been obviously Leeds United have gone out and they've tried to um, they, they've tried to present themselves to the world in a certain way and they've they've gone about doing that by doing the various things you have to do as, as a football club. But it, there's there's another th- there's another angle to the club, isn't there? Which is just the club is just what happens. It's the it's the players, it's the games, it's the fans. It happens, and 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 you can't you can't. You can't paper over that. That's just always going to be there, and that's what I've loved about this week. Is just looking back to the the moments that I've really enjoyed being a fan of the club. Looking at seeing the players and the moments they've enjoyed. Um, it was great having uh, Noel Whelan on last week. Even you know you, you have that you have that sense that there's something here that, regardless of what Andrea Radrizzani wants people to think that the club is, the club is, has existed for years without him. It will go on existing for years without him. And and for me, I, I quite like that. I quite like the fact that the club just happens. And we can try and we can try control the club. We can try and make it squeaky clean and PR imagey. But at the end of the day, it's it it just it is the moments that people turn up for the the games that people line up outside Ellen Road to get in to see the goals that are scored and the and the results that come from it. Indeed, can we just quickly discuss Radizani's comments? By the way, in terms of certain comparisons that he's made, of course, yeah. What's your take on that? I mean, are you, are you happy with that as a Leeds fan? Because like some people have obviously come out and said, "Crikey, that's quite ambitious." What what um, comments are you talking about? In particular? Just in terms of, I mean, he said that they were going to be, you know, akin to Man City and, and Real Madrid, and, and you know, yeah, in terms of the in terms of the takeover, then, yeah. yeah, this week. Okay, so I, I guess my my Radrissani's come out since that interview. That was a, an interview with Martin Ziegler in the in the Times um, that came out last week, and and he's come out since then and been quite bombastic, I think, about it, suggesting that he was having a conversation with a journalist. Uh, in a sort of hypothetical sense, and they were saying, you know, as, as an owner of the club, you always have these people in mind as potential buyers. Um, that's just good business. You know who wants the club. You know how you could move it on if you needed to. And he sort of suggested that Martin Ziegler um, sort of wrote up the piece as though there were three definite buyers in in mind, and that the club was gonna was gonna move on. So I I, I think it's one of those things that you take with a pinch pinch of salt. I think he's there's we know there's the links with QSI. That's the one that I think will probably eventually happen. Um, uh, he's just saying you know there are others. There was an American businessman who who. Um, has been a lifelong fan of the club so I think that kind of attracted him a little bit and then there was an Italian owner as well which obviously with the links mm. with Radrizzani um, so in terms of that I think he was he was simply saying if we if we side with QSI then we would be able to do the sorts of things that Manchester City have done as a fan do I want that not really particularly I'm I'm quite happy with the way that the club is I don't I, you know the, we've we've reached a set stage I think in the history of football where the big clubs are the big clubs and yeah anyone can fail and I suppose anyone can sort of crawl their way up there with enough money and enough financial spending but the things that I enjoy about the club are not necessarily the the things that would be gained by pumping more money in I've I've loved watching Leeds in the championship it's not been great all the time but um, it, it is really good for your for your fandom just to realise what it is that you like like about football. I think rather than I think if if we were to go the Man City route, I don't think um, I think a lot of the fans would be quite disappointed actually that um, it seems great from down here. But I think when you're at the top, 
is it really quite so much as it's cooked out to be completely agree completely agree with you john and when you do pump money in you expect results and firstly on the, the takeover itself i think that when this news comes out and journalists sometimes are at fault for this sort of leaking and teasing information as it were because i don't think they understand how seriously some fans can take that we've seen it with sunderland as well you know this news came out and it's all sort of being backtracked now and sunderland fans don't really know what's come mm. what's going on and we're like a month further down the line and then the directors are having to ask questions so there's that issue the second issue is of course that only so many teams can make the champions league only one team can win the premier league you know and then you've got the fa cup the efl cup you know, and then the Champions League, which if you qualify for, and of course the Europa League. So at some point, if you suddenly start to get more and more takeovers and more and more of these businessmen putting their money into these clubs, at some point, a few of them are going to fail and then it's going to end in disaster. Mm. Yeah, and this is what Arsene Wenger always used to say that, you know, there's only there's only one team that can win the Premier League mm. and you, that means there's going to be 19 clubs that are, that are disappointed at the end of the day. And I think that's, that's a truism. And I think we've, we've sort of slipped into a sort of a consciousness about the about football which is born by money which is everything has to be elite everything has to be the top we want to know who are going to be the top goal scorers we want to know who are going to be who, who which players are producing the best metrics etc etc and that's that's all well and good but for a lot of people i mean there's there's 72 teams in the football league no more is there not yeah 92 including well, the well in the football yeah, league. In the, well, so, one now yeah sadly. so well <laughs> yeah but that that's a lot of people who are not watching their team be the best in the country for people to think that the the only thing that matters is being the best team in the country and um that i think there's been a realization in this sort of highly financialized world of football that actually you don't have to win all the time for for football to be to be what it is for for the majority of fans and like I said I've, I've enjoyed watching us in the championship and there are questions raised by being good you know it's it's now impossible to get tickets at Elland Road unless you unless you're a member at the very least um, and we talked about you, you mentioned the, the the stadium expansion and stuff but even were the stadium to expand to fifty thousand there'd be a lot of people who would want to go and watch Leeds in the Premier League who wouldn't be able to to go and get that so and for a lot of us who've been fans throughout that that the fallow period uh, it's been it's been great getting tickets you can just you can turn up and get a ticket if you want so there's there's just little things like that where you you've got to think you know what what is it that I want to get out of football is it simply watching my team win or is it the things that you enjoy as a fan that the, the ability to go along with your friends and family uh, the ability to to I don't know it's even just as simple as seeing like one good bit of football on the field in 90 minutes and 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 getting some enjoyment out of that and and I think the expectation now is that everything has to be entertaining from start to finish and uh, I'm not entirely sure whether or not actually when you have so much of a good thing it really works. Well, so much of a good thing and talking about being entertaining from start to finish, John McKenzie, that's exactly <laughs> what you are going to get on the Leeds United Fan Show on Love Sport. Plenty more coming up. We've all got one and we're not afraid to put it on display. Our opinions, that is. Share yours now at Love Sport Radio on Twitter or call us 0208 70 20 558. Love Sport Radio, your fan station. Hi everyone, Rachel Daly here. Just wanted to wish the club a massive 100th birthday. I think that's amazing. Um, this club is so special to me and my family and getting, up, getting to actually play for the club itself is incredible. Um, I was there right the way through from under 10s to the senior women's team. And the development that I got being at the club was incredible and I wouldn't be anywhere near where I am today without that pathway. Uh, my favourite memory of Leeds United, of being a fan, was Leeds United against Liverpool, um, year 2000, I believe. 4-3 against Liverpool, coming back from behind every single time and Mark Viduka getting four goals and he was my hero growing up. So that was definitely my biggest memory among many. But yeah, happy birthday. Enjoy the 100th year. Yep, Rachel Daly there of Leeds United Women. Talking about that 4-3-er, I remember watching that. Just his chips. I think he scored like two chip, two identical <laughs> finishes in that game, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you have a real database of, of games in the back of your mind, don't you? I've got a few, yeah. I'm now Andrew Dalton, that mm. is for sure. But I've got, yeah, I've got a few in the bank. <laughs> and speaking of Andrew Dalton, of course. Now, 
John, you have recorded a bit of a documentary-style mm. chat with Andrew Dalton on the on the formation of Leeds. Yeah, we, I'm, I'm working for a podcast called Football Today at the moment, and we're doing we're doing sort of it's a daily podcast, so it's 20 minute episodes, going a little bit beneath the context of what's going on in the in the world of football. So obviously, with the Leeds United centenary coming up, it, we thought we would do an episode based around Leeds. So the first 10 minutes of that is all about the formation of Leeds United, and I spoke to Andrew about that. Lovely stuff. Well, I do believe we have a recording of it right here. Fifteenth of May, two thousand and nineteen. Leeds United face Derby County for a place in the playoff final. Leeds go into the game with a one-nil advantage after the first leg at Pride Park. Lawrence has gone in with a strong challenge. We may see more of that. It's through to Roof! It's taken 55 minutes, but Leeds United have found a way through. A Stuart Dallas goal early in the first half, and Leeds are cruising. However, as is so often the case when it comes to Leeds United, everything starts to go wrong. managed to turn a 2-0 advantage into a 4-3 deficit. Derby County are on their way to Wembley. Frank Lampard's young team have come of age and made playoff history. Leeds, they were a massive club. They're still a sleeping giant. They thought Bielsa was going to perhaps be the man to get them back. They're going to have to wait yet another year. Yet another year. Two thousand and nineteen is Leeds United's hundredth year. A history that has been punctuated by success, but more often failure. From the highs of Don Revy, Howard Wilkinson, and David O'Leary, to the lows of financial ruin and dubious ownership. How did Leeds United get here? If nineteen nineteen seems relatively late for a large city in the United Kingdom to be forming a football team. That's because it is. You kind of look at it, yeah, what, 19 years uh, into the 20th century and you look around the, the county of Yorkshire, Sheffield FC, of course, the oldest football club that are still going uh, today, were formed in 1857. And in neighbours, Sheffield Wednesday, were then formed in, in sort of 1867. 20 years on from that, Sheffield United were formed. So you've kind of got a lot of South Yorkshire football clubs. Andrew Dalton has just published a history of the first hundred years of the club. You'd have to go into sort of the 20th century to find West Yorkshire clubs being formed, obviously the first being Bradford City uh, in 1903 and the next being Huddersfield Town in 1908. Why was it then that football took so long to crack Leeds? It's quite difficult to know an exact reason. So having done the research, Leeds was a bit of a rugby city back in the day. Obviously, uh, Rugby League had been formed from the breakaway in, in 1895 in the St George Hotel in Huddersfield. And it, it kind of had been a, a rugby city, uh, the city of Leeds. And there was never really much to look at football-wise. There were early attempts to bring football to Leeds by the people of Sheffield, the clubs that, that were involved in with Sheffield Wednesday, Sheffield FC, etc., and there were also earlier teams, Hunslet AFC uh, and Leeds FC. Another iteration of, of Leeds FC were Leeds Albion, obviously very short-lived. But the most notable reason why Leeds United are so late forming is because they emerged from out of the ashes of another team, right? That's correct. Uh, obviously, we go back to, to the year 1904. Holbeck Rugby Club realises they were behind the curve and kind of switch associations. In the year 1904, Charles Hoyle, who who was the MD of, of Bentley Brewer, which the honours the old Peacock, which is still standing today opposite Ellen Road all those years later. Councillor Joseph Henry, who was president of Holbeck Football, an athletic company which owned the ground Ellen Road as we know today. And uh, Norris Hepworth, a uh, clothing manufacturer, met up to set this team called Leeds City they uh, played in the West Yorkshire League to start with and then a year later in 1905 they were then voted into the Football League After this start though Leeds City have a pretty inauspicious existence don't they? 
Yes, very much so. They spend their life in, in the second division. Uh, they did have one very famous manager in Herbert Chapman who went on to have success down the road at Huddersfield Town. He formulated the WM formation, which not many people know about. He managed Leeds City between 1912 and 1916 and guided them to a highest ever position of third place in, in the second division and hopes were, were high that, that they could push on there. But something called uh, the First World War kind of came about, John. The First World War came along and, as it did in so many other areas of life, it ruined things a little. Just as Leeds City got going, that the First World War in 1914 did intervene. When the war comes along, everything kind of stops, sport stops, especially you're looking at the Second World War between 39 and 45, when everything stops and Leeds played in the wartime leagues, as Leeds United did. It's difficult because so many players went off to, to be in action. Unfortunately for, for the City of Leeds, they, they lost six players who, who died in, in conflict. And back in Britain, uh, Leeds did look at picking up other players uh, from the likes of Newcastle and Sunderland to, to kind of go on. The First World War would also play a role in the eventual demise of Leeds City though, right? Yes, there's a, a guy, George Cripps, Herbert Chapman's assistant, uh, when he was managing the club between 1912 and 1916. He was let go at the end of 1917 18 season, but hires a lawyer called James Bromley, who would play a prominent part in the formation of Leeds United, to sue for wrongful dismissal. As part of his case, uh, he claimed Leeds had made improper payments to players during the First World War, uh, which they shouldn't have been. And obviously, from that one accusation, kind of grew a new football club because of what happened to Leeds City and the demise of Leeds City. The problems arise when the same solicitor is called in to deal with a separate legal case. Charlie Copeland had played for Leeds United during the war and after the war took the club to court over a wage dispute. And lo and behold, the lawyer he chooses to represent himself is James Bromley. James Bromley, obviously, as we've mentioned previous, was used as solicitor in another dispute about potential wages. And before long, he had gone ahead and reported the club to the FA. A commission was set up, chaired by the members of the FA and the Football League, and they demanded documents which Leeds City refused to comply with. There been further revelations in the Leeds City payments scandal. All day, the joint Football League and FA inquiry have been in session at London's Russell Hotel. A few minutes ago, Football League chairman Mr John McKenna made this statement to the press. The authorities of the game intend to keep it absolutely clean. We will have no nonsense. The football stable must be cleansed and further breakages of the law regarding payments will be dealt with in such a severe manner that clubs and players must not expect the slightest leniency. Leeds City, therefore, find themselves in a parallel situation to the one that Bury FC would find themselves in a hundred years later. However, in Leeds City's case, the intentions were noble. The directors realised that their players' careers would be scuppered if they released the documents that showed they'd been paid illegally during the war. As a result, it was the directors of Leeds City who took the punishment. The directors of, of Leeds City Football Club, as we know it then, are suspended. And then the Football League announced that Leeds City would be expelled, uh, no longer taking their place in the Football League. And the place would be taken up by then Burstland Port Vale. Leeds City players were set to be auctioned off. And it's quite ironic that it would be Burstland Port Vale, because if you fast forward to when Leeds United were formed, Leeds United's first ever opponents in the Football League back in 1920 were Port Vale Football Club. So they have quite a little bit of to play of the formation of Leeds United. So, Leeds City is no more. The City of Leeds is without a football league side. This isn't good enough for another local, a man called Alf Massa. What role does Massa play in the eventual formation of Leeds United? Alf Massa sort of had his desire to set up a more egalitarian team in Leeds, which isn't financed by one person, it's financed by a board, basically. And he canvasses support for a new club. Uh, around 1,000 people meet at the Metropolitan Leeds, which is still there now, I think, on just after Wellington Street in the city centre, uh, to talk about the formation of this new football club called Leeds United, aptly named, of course. Uh, the vote is carried, and Leeds United Limited Company and Supporters Club, as we know it today, uh, set up. And then a very famous day on the 29th of October, uh, a new club is registered with the West Riding Association and away we go, basically. At this point, Leeds United are without players and without a league, though. Leeds uh, joined the West Midlands League in place of Leeds City Reserves, who had been there in their place, and trials are held to find more players. But for Alf Massa, he wanted more, and he, and he wanted to get Leeds as a, as a football league club. There's talk of a merger with Huddersfield Town. 
Huddersfield were struggling to get attendances because, again, a bit like Leeds back in the 1900s, Huddersfield was a rugby town. This spurs on the locals to succeed at football. And in the end, they refused the merger and Leeds are kind of felt like they're a bit back to square one. In the end, then, there's only one way that Leeds are going to get a place in the Football League, and that is by being voted in by the other teams in the divisions. Leeds ended up sort of raising money, finding players for the following season. They make steps to purchase the ground, Ellen Road, and then they try and persuade the Football League, probably not Leeds United's best friend, to give them a place uh, in the Football League competition. And in the end, in 1920, they managed to get the vote to join the Football League along with Cardiff City. And then I think in August 1920, they play their first game away at Port Vale, okay, 2 0 defeat, then a game against South Shields. And then their first victory is a 3 0 win over Port Vale, and it's the Leeds. United that we all know and love 100 years later. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. For the fans, by the fans, Love Sport Radio. Hello, it's Becky here. I want to say congratulations to Lee United for the centenary. I will never forget the, the goal against Miguel in the playoff. Uh, the fans were amazing that night. I love you. I love you, Mr. Becchio. We love you too. Luciano <laughs> Becchio. Yeah. I wonder who that was at first. Yeah. This is the Leeds United fan show on Love Sport. Myself, Matt Beadle, here with John McKenzie from All Stats, aren't we? John, we've just heard you speaking with historian there, Leeds United historian Andrew Dalton. We're going to get him on in about five minutes or so, but I just want to quickly go back to that Eddie Gray goal that's been immortalised in street art by Andy McVeigh. We've spoken to Andy before, of course, the Burley Banksy. Some great images there. I think it was on like a, a park somewhere, wasn't it? Or like a on the side yeah, of somewhere. Yeah, sort of walkway. Yeah. yeah. Um, that is arguably, it's up there, that goal against Burnley as one of the greatest, if not the greatest goal in the history of the club. What's your opinion on the greatest goal? What is your favourite goal ever scored by a Leeds United player? Well, I think my favourite Leeds United player ever is probably Tony Eboa. So probably one of his two bangers. Um, <laughs> although, obviously, let's not let's not restrict ourselves to, to those two bangers. Um, but yeah, Tony Eboa, it was great to see. You mentioned him already. He was great to see him turning up to the centenary celebrations yesterday. What a player he was. Turns up, turns up midway through a season, leaves midway through the next season, but... Scored, scored a hatful of goals, um, scored some really important goals and was just was just lethal in the box. Well, he was. And in terms of stats, I'm going to pluck this out. I know you're the mm. stat man, but 32 goals and 61 appearances, I think, in just two years. And mm. I think people forget that he was only there for two years. Obviously, he had a disagreement with George Graham mm. and they shipped him off to Hamburg. He'd come from Eintracht Frankfurt. Was it the other no, way that, around? I think that's the right way around, yeah. Um, so incredible. And actually, just to, to continue on the Yeboah chat... There was a poll in on Leeds Live this week with regards to the top 20 Leeds United players. The readers voted, the users voted, and Yeboah came down in ninth place. Mm. So he was very close to the top. It went Jack Charlton in 10th, Tony Yeboah, Alan Clark, Peter Lorimer, John Giles, David Batty in 5. I've got another story about him coming up. John Charles, Lucas Radaba, Eddie Gray, and of course, Billy Bremner up top. Wow, I'm surprised Radabu was so high up. I was surprised. Not that, that I mean he was great. He was a great um, what was it we say servant of the club. He he and he still is. He still um, he still he's one of the few actually from that generation who's still quite prominent. I'd say. Um, and you know he, he had the the moment when he went in goal. 
Mark uh, Beanie. Yeah, that's got right. Sent yeah. off for the handball. That crikey! I mean, in terms of, I mean, if video technology was now in play, that would be one of those where you go, or was then in play? Mm. Sorry, you'd go, or oh, was it in? Was yeah. it out? But yeah, it was, I think Lukic, Lukic had gone off injured. Yeah. No, so, no, I think Beanie started. I don't think you I had thought, a goalkeeper thought, on the bench. Oh, really? I thought yeah. Lukic had gone off injured. Beanie comes on and immediately gets sent off for, for, for oh, handball. It I'd, could well be that way. Yeah. I, I, I think it might have been that Lukic was already injured and you didn't name mm. a goalkeeper. Of course, it was just two subs and one keeper back yeah, then, wasn't yeah. it? So, yeah, Ranova goes in goal very, very early. And a very good game until yeah, Roy yeah. Keane obviously scored yeah. the winner. But I, I agree with you in terms of always thought he was a good player, but never thought he was outstanding enough to be named as the fourth best or the third best yeah. Leeds player ever. Well, I think those sorts of lists are always going to be quite reminiscent towards the, the Revy era in particular. I think most of those players were Revy era players, weren't they? There's only a, mm. a couple. Is it even... It's not, so Radaby and, and, and Yeboah. Batty. And Batty. Batty yeah. Yeah. And then the others are all Revy era. So I, I, I guess that maybe re- reflects the, the people who responded to the polls but um yeah it's interesting to see how few like outside of that era that we've we've really seen have i guess it time always makes legend uh, forms legends doesn't it, it does. so maybe maybe that's that but um Radaby was a great great i think a great character and i guess that's what's pushed pushed him up the list a bit yeah absolutely there is of course the link with kaiser chiefs that will forever live on actually I want to talk about them later as well but next we've got andrew dalton on giving your team a voice love sport radio Leeds United fan show on Love Sport. Myself, Matt Beadle, here with John McKenzie from All Stats, aren't we? It is the 100-year anniversary of Leeds United this week and plenty has been going on in and around the club. There is a centenary kit currently on sale. But more importantly, that centenary kit will also be accompanied by a copy of the official history of Leeds United. And that has been written by a certain Andrew Dalton, who is on the line now. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Matt. How are you? Very well, thank you, mate. Very well. I hear that you've been around the celebrations this week. You were at the uh, the centenary dinner. Yes, uh, all very surreal last night, seeing <laughs> a lot of my heroes, uh, the likes of Gordon Shacken, Gary McAllister, uh, Don Matthews in the Champions League era, or the 70s boys, it's the 70s boys, and just an unbelievable night to celebrate uh, an unbelievable achievement for the club reaching 100 years yesterday. Hey, Andrew, it's John. Hiya, John. Yeah, good. How how was last night then? What, the, what are the exciting stories you've got for us? Who are the, who are the uh, best people to meet? Uh, yeah, just sort of, uh, obviously, Bryn Law, brilliant presenter, and John Helm were there, sort of interviewing all the players and just sort of finding out little stories. Obviously, Gary McAllister, no sign for Nottingham Forest. Uh, he was going to go and talk to, to Cluffy. Uh, obviously, then Leeds signed him in, in the summer of 1990. Jermaine Beckford actually had a contract in front of him to sign for Watford. Uh, he was going to sign for Eddie Boothroyd and then Leeds United nabbed him. So, yeah, also just talking to different people, spoke to Jonathan Woodgate, Robbie Keane, John, Johnny Halson, Beckford Becchio. Just some wonderful talent in that room. And uh, you look at the players and all the pictures that have been on social media over the last couple of days, last 24, 48 hours, of all the players who were there. Just some unbelievable stories. Some likes of Royden Wood, uh, who was there, Jackie Overfield back in the 1950s, the, the oldest players that were there. And just going through the Bremner era, the Reverie era, Alan Clark was there, Eddie Gray, of course, had so many stories to tell. Jackie Charlton, Norman Hunter, just an un- absolutely unbelievable night. And I think it's all sinking in at the moment that uh, the club have reached 100 and I've just got to go and win a football match tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, I can imagine, just by the way you're speaking, you were probably a bit like a kid in a candy store last night. Yes. Yeah, when, when, when you grow up and you're watching your team in sort of the early 90s, winning the championship... In, in sort of 91 2 with the likes of Gary McAllister, Gordon Strachan, Howard Wilkerson as manager, John Newsom, Steve Hodge, Fairclough Wallace, uh, Christy White. And the year here is meant to just see them is just awe inspiring. Obviously, David O'Leary was there with the Champions League era. Uh, and just some, some unbelievable memories. And obviously, Lucas Radderby, Tony Eboa, who was my absolute idol growing up. And the goals he scored against Liverpool and Wimbledon. I know it still gives a bit of a debate. To, to this day which was better just some fantastic memories some fantastic personalities uh, and I can't thank the club uh, enough for the way they put it all together In terms of the book that is out yeah. of course the official history of Leeds United this has been compiled by yourself and it's also going to be accompanying the centenary kit that's on yeah. sale now. Yes it's all part and parcel uh, I think they put 1919 on sale uh, last night and unbelievably they all sold out within about two hours did they really uh, the good news is from the, my point of view is my book is now available in the Legion United Club shop 
uh, from tomorrow morning uh, from the Birmingham game, price £30. Uh, and yeah, it, it seems to have gone down really, really well. And it was just really surreal to see my book as part of the centenary celebrations because it, it, it's been a, a hobby of mine and it's been kind of all my dreams come true at once and it's just been wonderfully received and I hope everybody enjoys it. Tell us a little bit about the book, Andrew. What's, what's, what should we expect if we, we pick up a yeah, copy? Yeah, basically, I, it's funny how it started. Because I don't know if you remember, a couple of years ago, we played Middlesbrough on a very cold Friday night at the Riverside Stadium. Patrick Banff actually scored a hat-trick uh, for Middlesbrough. And I was sat on the couch on the way back thinking, Leeds are 100 years old in 18 months. I want to do something. So I got in contact with a club. I wanted to write a club history from the day of the Salim Chapel from, from 1919 right up to, to the present day and, and Marcella Bielsa. And I've done a decade-by-decade decade sort of look back of, of each season from the first season in 1920 right up to the, the I say, the disappointment of Derby County uh, last season. There's interviews with, with managers that I managed to get hold of. I spoke to Dave Ockaday, which was quite interesting. Uh, Brian McDermott, Steve Evans, Simon Grayson are in there. Uh, interviewed Lee Chapman, uh, Jermaine Beckford, Tony DiRigo, uh Don Matto as well. So, And then there's a brilliant piece by a guy called John Devlin, who is the author of the True Colours books, mm. and he's wrote me a lovely piece from the history of the Legion United kits, which I, I love things like that. I'll just sort of look back all the different kits to the side of one. Obviously, they're wearing a different kit tomorrow for the centenary. Uh, then there's a bit about the memorabilia, all the different memorabilia that's been been and sort of gone over the years of people that have bought the cluster that people have bought. Then we did a piece about Twitter and what Leeds United meant to people, 140 characters, which is actually quite interesting. And some of the reactions were just wow, it means a lot to a lot of people. Uh, and then we got different people to sort of interview their stories. Uh, about what Leeds United means to them. So all sorts in there. There's new paper articles in there. They have match reports in there. So, yeah, really proud of it and uh, uh, really proud to be part of uh, a phenomenal evening at Allen Road last night. So you've been you've been well and truly wallowing in the history of Leeds United. Yes. So yes. you mentioned there that the, the 140 characters um, yes. responses. What would your 140-character history oh, of Leeds right be? What would, what would you say uh, that would be? I think it would be something like the love of my life uh, we've had plenty of arguments down the years, but hello, I support you. Well, something on those lines. <laughs> uh, we've had a, it's been a roller coaster, I think, over since I've supported since 1919 and seen the ups and downs. But I won't change it for the world. Love that, love that, Andrew. The kits thing as well is 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 bang on point because regardless of what people say, maybe we're romanticising about an era just yeah. because it was 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 back in the day and football wasn't as commonplace as it is now because it's yeah. in our in our living room all the time. It's on our computers, yeah. it's on our phones constantly. But kits these days just yeah. don't have the same appeal. And as, regardless how much clubs like the centenary kit as well, regardless how much yeah. clubs try and hark back to the history and say, oh, you know, it, it, it has traditions of when we were founded in 1919 and stuff. There is, yeah. there is still some, something you can't beat from those 70s, those 80s and those 90s oh, absolutely. kits. absolutely. And as you rightly said, I kind of romanticise the kits that they all want. It's funny you should say that because when we were under Gary Monk in 1617, we always used to guess the, the away kit and it always used to be a mismatch. And I love things like that. If it's like yellow shirt, white shorts, yellow socks, or, or little things like that. And I look out for all the kits down down the years and researching all the kits that Leeds have worn. And it says, well, like being a, a, a mismatch like we did against Roma at Ellen Road in, in 2000 uh, when we wore the white shirts, maybe blue shorts and white socks. And things like that interest me. And like seeing the kit tomorrow will bring a, a huge smile on my face. And, it, and I'm just really grateful uh, for the job John has done with it. And it's just a, it just sort of added something a bit extra to the book I don't think anyone's done in the past. Actually, on this day, Andrew, in yeah. uh, where are we? Nineteen ninety-seven, I believe it was. Didn't a certain referee have to change kits? Be- that is correct. I'm guessing you're talking about Leeds United for Newcastle United one. That's the exact <laughs> game I'm talking about. David Ellery. Yeah, and I, I believe David Ellery was the kit because Newcastle has that horrendous <laughs> navy blue, orange, yellow, greeny, horrible top, which they did actually wear that often. Uh, and I think Leeds were three 0 up, and David Ellery realised that he uh, he couldn't see because it was clashing with the Newcastle away kit. And I think he he wore a blue uh, Leeds United uh, Leeds United top for the remainder of the first half. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant, Andrew. It's been it's been great having you on. It would be remiss of me, and I apologise, but I'm just going to have to do one and see if you can remember the game on the date. 
Okay. Much sleep over the last 24 hours, but I will do my best. <laughs> okay, just very quickly. It was my sister's birthday this week. She was born on the 16th of October. I plucked one out of nowhere, Saturday, 16th of October, 2010. Middlesbrough 1, Leeds 2, David Sommer, Luciano Becchio. Correct that man. Andrew, I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you very much for coming on. No problem. Thank you for having me. That was Andrew Dalton, the man who never ceases to amaze me. You just can't help yourself. Can I, you? I just have can't. Ask him I, he's like time. a plaything. It's terrible. Every time we get him on, I'm just going to have to do it. Sorry, Andrew. This is the Leeds United Fan Show on Love Sport. Love Sport Radio, the station giving fans a voice. Leeds United, congratulations really on your 100th right birthday. You are looking good. Uh, and here's to plenty more yeah. as well. I'm absolutely delighted to be able to play a very, very small part in the history of what is a, a fantastic club. And there's no doubt my time at the club was the best of my career. Uh, and my abiding memory, I think, of my time here was certainly that 91-92 championship winning side. It was a, a great campaign. It was something that I will never, ever forget. But in particular, once we'd won the title, that home game against Norwich, just to finally be able to get our hands on that trophy and parade it around Ellen Road in front of the Ellen Road faithful, I think, was something very, very special. I won't forget it. I'm sure the fans who were there that day will never forget that day. And uh, it was wonderful. Uh, so, happy birthday to Leeds United. And here's to another 100 more. Mr Tony DiRigo there, with one of the oddest accents I've ever heard from a, an English footballer. Did he not play for Australia? Or was he born in Australia? He was born in Australia, yeah. There's actually a really good interview with Tony DiRigo on the Quickly Kevin podcast, which I'm sure you're aware of, where he speaks all about how he came over and wrote to various clubs. Quite an interesting story. So he's know. a f- full-on Aussie? Oh, yeah, yeah. he came over from sound Australia. It, it? Sorry? It doesn't sound it, does it? Well, he's, he's got, got something there, isn't he? Yeah. You can definitely hear there's like a weird yeah. twang that yeah. he's had over the years. I also remember Tony DiRigo going in to presenting and he was presenting like beach football oh, yeah. very kind of Andy Townsend tax, tactics truck-esque <laughs> at the time I remember like back, back to you in the studio guys <laughs> you know what I mean and then cut <laughs> yeah good times Tony DiRigo of course we're going to get onto the listener questions listener questions now on the Leeds United fan show but just before we go there I mentioned David Batty earlier because of all the stuff that we've seen on Twitter this week, there's been some really, really great stuff. But I think the favourite one for me was a clip of David Batty absolutely annihilating the Sampdoria players in a pre-season friendly. Brilliant. You see Roberto Mancini going full guns at him, going, this is a, basically saying this is a pre-season friendly, David. Calm down. <laughs> but he was just ploughing through everybody. I've got a feeling that someone was saying in in the last week or so, oh, you know, I was on the phone to David Batty, but trying to persuade him to come to the centenary, but no he chance. was having none of it. He's one of those players who was famously like, he was famously negative about football and sort of saw it as a job and that was it. Didn't have any interest in it. Massively, yeah. Right. Paul Merson always says when they came in from the 98 defeat to Argentina, of course, the decisive penalty was David Batty's miss against Argentina. Merson said the best person to have taken that would have been David Batty. He said, got in the change room, didn't really care. No, <laughs> all right, I'm getting changed, I'm off. And now it's weird, isn't it? No one can get hold of him, really. He's kind of become a recluse, yeah. isn't he? No one knows where he is. I always find that really interesting when someone someone who is a footballer and they just have no interest in the sport. It's it's fascinating, isn't it? Makes you a bit sick as well, to be fair. We were given our right arm to play. <laughs> it would have meant everything. Anyway, David Batty, of course, a Leeds legend as well. We're going to move on to the listener questions now. We've got about eight minutes or so left. Firstly, managers. This is from Tom Woodhead. Of the many, many managers we've gone through, especially since relegation, who should have been given more time? Yeah, so these questions are all historically angled, hopefully. So I was just, I've, I've got the list in front of me of the managers that we've had since relegation. And we, oh, it's, it's really hard. It's really hard to. Really hard to answer, isn't it? But I'm just looking now, like Kevin Blackwell did a good job. Dennis Wise didn't do a good job. And you've got people like Gary McAllister, who you, you kind of, you think of the, the Doncaster uh, playoff final. Um, Simon Grayson, obviously, a great a great manager. Neil Warnock, mm. Brian McDermott, mm. Dave Hockaday, mm. Darko Milanich, who? Uh, Neil Redfern, yeah. Juve Rosler, Steve Evans, Gary Monk. It's just a, it's a, it's a litany of, of not great managers, but um, Thomas Christensen and Paul Heckingbottom are in that list. I think I would say probably it's a horrible it's a horrible list. Who should have been given more time? Um, Gary Monk should have been given more time. Um, it, it transpires that he wasn't a great guy. <laughs> we found out in it's recent funny years, that, isn't it? Because he, he always came across okay when he was yeah. at Swansea. Yeah. 
but I think he was he was a competent manager. He wasn't the best manager, but I think most people would say before Bielsa arrived, the best season really that we had um, in in the sort of wilderness years was probably Gary Monk um, after Grayson gets us back into the championship. So uh, I think he was a competent manager. Maybe if he was given another season, they might have done something, but who knows? Who knows? Neil Warnock, you mentioned there. <laughs> this is from David Martin. Would one of Warnock's not-so-good lead sides made up of ageing Sheffield United players has proved too difficult for the current side to break down. Probably, yeah, but I guess we, we get the chance to see that when we when Leeds finally play Cardiff. But mm. um, we've talked a lot. We talked about this with the Millwall side that the teams that sit back and are good from set pieces are always going to be uh, a little bit of a, an Achilles heel for for Marcelo Bielsa teams. So I can imagine us losing to a Neil Warnock side, and I imagine it could be the case that we do lead, lose to a Neil Warnock side at some point this season. But that's very negative of me, of course. It is positive on the 100 year <laughs> celebrations John uh, next up Marty White's pod underrated players who do you think is the most underappreciated player in Leeds' history slash your time supporting the club yeah this is tough because mm. um, I think you have to take context into account um, because you know a lot of the t- we, we've been in three different d- divisions really in my in my period of supporting the club and an underrated player in the in the Premier League is different to an under <laughs> underappreciated player in the in the in League Two, isn't it? But I'm going to say Liam Bridcut was was underrated. I think he did he did a good job for us in a, in a position that I don't think was particularly sexy um, at a period when we needed someone to to be a bit of a stopper and, and recycle play. And I don't think anyone ever really liked Bridcut, but I think he was better than than people thought he was. Okay. Was Rod Wallace an underrated footballer? No, no. I think I think he's appreciated um, from I, Leeds fans, I suppose. Yeah, the from wider Leeds football fans. Community. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, Rod Wallace was a really, really good uh, player, and you've got that famous goal against is it Spurs where he runs Took it down it, yeah. the line, and uh, and he was he was great for us even into the mid mid sort of mid nineties, um, late nineties even. Um, I think most Leeds fans would would think of him if they were to think of our top hundred players in the I guess Premier League era. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he. I, th- I think probably underappreciated by a lot of other fans, but yeah, okay. I think every club has has a few of those, right? Well, does he or does he not make your best Leeds United FC <laughs> eleven of all time? He. He does not. So this is a this is a question asked by Mikel. Um, he said best LUFC eleven all time. I've just jotted one down here. It's not particularly tactically astute. You'll have to forgive me because uh, <laughs> I've gone with a four three three just to get the players in that I wanted. Really, tell you what, the stats that you referred to at the beginning of the, of the show <laughs> probably wouldn't hold up with yeah, this team. I think that's that, yeah. It's not. I don't think that's necessarily true. But I've also gone with pretty much Premier League era because. I just, I, I'm, I am of the opinion that that just the progress of time has Im- improved footballers immeasurably. I think this team would probably beat Revy's team, but I'm not going to be very popular for saying that. Mm. So the the majority of the players that I've picked have, uh, are, are more recent. So I've gone with Nigel Martin in goal. I know you're a goalkeeping uh, aficionado. Absolutely. Um, Big fan of Nigel. Martin. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Best that's best great league's goal. goalkeeper. The best Leeds goalkeeper. I would say that he's up there with his successor, Paul Robinson, for me. Mm. Okay. I've then gone, obviously, for the right and left back, you have to go with the, the uncle and nephew pairing. Absolutely. Of, uh, Gary Kelly and, and Ian Hart. Um, actually, really struggled thinking of, of full-backs for Leeds uh, through the years. But, mm. um, yeah, that's an interesting one. I think... I've, I've gone bold, actually. I've gone, I've gone with Rio Ferdinand, who I think is just the best... I think he's just the best defender the Leeds have ever had, um, not only per ability, but also in terms of his uh, understanding of the game. I've gone with Ben White as well, um, because I, th- I see a lot of what I saw in Rio Ferdinand in Ben White, and I suspect Ben White will be playing for a top, top side in the next couple of seasons, um, which is maybe a bold shout, because he may just end up not doing anything. Um, and then from there, I've gone with three midfielders. Um, I've gone with Gary Speed. Um, probably nostalgically, um, I've gone with Gordon Strachan actually because I think of the of that pro, of that first division winning team, he was the he was the real the real hero. He was he was sort of at the end of his career and was brought in and, and did a, a real service for Leeds in, in that time, and he was creatively brilliant. Uh, and then I've gone for Lewis Cook um, because I think Lewis Cook was is probably the best player that we've had. Um, 
in in the in the relegated era um but again that might be it might just be me being reminiscent and then front three of of eric Cantona, jimmy floyd hasselbank Ooh, and tony aboa is this controversial <laughs> mr mckenzie is it what, eric Cantona? oh no not at all no? what a brilliant player he was um yeah and and I, I mean, I'm I'm not glad that he moved on, and I'm not glad that he moved on to Manchester United. But I am glad that he was spotted by uh, Wilkinson and brought into the English game, and the English game is better for it. Is that slightly, slightly spotted by Sheffield Wednesday? No, by yeah, Trevor maybe. Francis. Is that right? And then, well, he, I believe he came in initially uh, on trial at Sheffield Wednesday. They didn't fancy him. Uh, there's some clips of him I remember like running mm. up and down like a school gym or something <laughs> and then Wilkinson obviously saw the potential that he had and plucked him yeah, yeah. for Leeds let him go for pittance as well yeah, yeah. well we did didn't we but there absolutely we go. Uh, we've got quickly quick time for one more we are going to say if you could change one thing in our history mm. sliding door style what would it be and what impact would it have yes what what would it be yeah, the, the that's person from, that's actually he yeah. suggested that uh, Everton keeper saves Gary McAllister's late forty-yard free kick for Liverpool, which meant that Leeds didn't get Champions League in two thousand and one, and and sort of led to the demise. I think that's a good one. I would probably have gone with actually Peter Lorimer's goal disallowed in the seventy-five European Cup final um, against Bayern Munich. Uh, because I'd quite like us to have won a European Cup. Mm, that would have been good. As has this been show. The show has been great, mate. I mean, I could talk about this for another hour or so. It's been thoroughly enjoyable. John McKenzie from All Stats, aren't we? We are going to finish with another clip from an ex-Leeds player. Hi everyone, Lee Bowyer here. Just want to wish your great club a happy 100th birthday. My most memorable moment was the goal I scored against Milan on that wet Tuesday evening. I hit a shot from outside the box late on in the game. Too much power for the goalie to handle to slip through his fingers over the line. So I have to say, that's my most memorable moment. The place just erupted and the atmosphere was just unreal that night. So I hope you enjoyed that memorable moment as much as I did. Take care. Hope to see you all soon. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 